Good morning. How many of you were here with us uh, this weekend at the gathering that Bo hosted? All right, quite a few. How many of you were not here at it? Oh, good. Okay. No, we, well, <laughs> the reason why, oh, good, is um, I, as Yuri and I were talking, um, first of all, I want to say thank you for having me in the house. Thank you guys so much. It's an honor to be here. It's an honor to be in the presence of the Lord with you. It's an honor to be in a house that honors the presence of the Lord first and foremost. It's very evident. It's very tangible. You can feel it in the atmosphere. You experience it in the atmosphere. So I want to say thank you both for what you have been doing and plowing in this region. It's awesome. And... Um, and so, those of you that did not hear me speak this weekend, sometimes a giggle like that will come up when I and out when I'm teaching, because the Lord radically set me free from a spirit of depression, a demonic spirit of depression is what I had. It was, and uh, radically set me free almost 31 years ago, and I got up off the floor completely transformed from the inside out with a lot of joy, <laughs> so when I teach, sometimes this giggle just comes out, and I used to try to stop the giggle, but I don't anymore, and so when it comes out, you just get to receive an impartation of that joy, amen? And so when Yuri and I were speaking, and I know that this is part of the prophetic word of destiny in this region as well, and I shared uh, yesterday, was it, no, Friday, uh, a message where I talked about Amalanga, Guatemala, and I'm going to share about Amalanga. The message will be a little bit different in more detail even this morning, if that's okay, but definitely want to release this deposit in this church and in this house because I'm just, and I'm going to flow in and out of teaching and prophesying because Yuri and Amanda, I'm prophesying right now. This, there is a glory hovering over this region and in this land, and it is marked as a land of transformation. And God wants to move powerfully within this region and within this land, in the people, but in the land. There is a blessing that is in in this land, there's a peace and a joy that you can already feel. There's a life that is in this land, in this region, when you walk on it. And the Lord has brought you here, all of you here, who are part of this house and a part of this region, for such a time as this, for what he is birthing in this time. Amen? <laughs> okay. And so the Lord not only loves us as individuals, but he also has a heart for entire people groups, entire cities, and entire regions. And I'm going to stop right here, and I'm going to pray, and we're going to dive into what the Lord is wanting to release. So as I'm teaching you this morning, it is not just a teaching, it is a prophetic now word of what God is wanting to do in this region of Ohio. So Holy Spirit, I thank you that everything that you want shared today will be released. 
Holy Spirit, we thank you for your fire. We thank you for your presence that is already here. Lord, we thank you that your promises, Lord, for freedom fellowship, your promises for your sons and daughters, your promises for this region, Lord, for Apple Creek, for Wooster, Lord, for, oh, I don't know, all Akron, Canton, all the ones that were just uh, called out and, and the ones that are surrounding, that your promises are yes and amen. Lord, that you desire to see awakening and transformation come forth from this region that will reflect heaven on earth. So Holy Spirit, I thank you that as I'm sharing, there will be an impartation and a fire ignited. And Jesus, we give you all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. And everybody says, Amen. <laughs> I'm going to start by reading a scripture that we are all very familiar with. And it's Genesis 22, 17 through 18. And I'm reading it from the Amplified. It says, Indeed, I will greatly bless you, and I will greatly multiply your descendants like the stars of heaven and like the sand on the seashore. And your seed shall possess the gates of their enemies as conquerors. <laughs> Through your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. I love that word, blessed. Because you have heard and obeyed me. Now this word possess is a very powerful word. The Hebrew word for possess is yaras. Y-A-R-A-S. And what does this word mean? It literally means when you yaras something. When God was telling Abraham to yaras the land that he was given him. When God was telling Moses and Joshua to go in and possess yaras the land. When, when he tells us that we are to possess the gates of the enemy because we are offspring of Abraham, yes? So this word yaras, it means to take as an heir, <laughs> to take as an inheritance. It says to dispossess. It means you're going to take it as an heir, take that inheritance. You're going to dispossess. You're going to drive out. You're going to conquer. This is all the meaning of this one word because Hebrew words would come full circle. It just didn't mean one thing. The word itself encompasses a whole, a whole kingdom idea around that one word. And so it literally means you will drive out, you will conquer what the enemy has set up to keep it from its fullness, and then you will step in as an heir of God and co-heir of Christ, as a son and daughter, as a minister of reconciliation, as an ambassador for Christ and his kingdom to take possession. Is that powerful? 
You know, I, I started teaching a message about this, and one time I gave this visual. <laughs> and my dad, loved my dad, raised a daddy's girl, and he went to be with Jesus in January of 2008. And when it came time for the reading of my daddy's will, if an illegal squatter, a man, Yuri, that we'd never met, my mom and my sister and I did not know, walked into that room and sat in a chair and said, I am taking that inheritance that your husband and your father worked so hard to leave for you and his grandchildren and the generations to come. I said, are we going to sit there in the natural and let this person that has no right to what my father earned for our inheritance be taken out of our hands at that moment? Are we going to do that? Woo! No, the feisty side of Becca Greenwood is going to rise up. <laughs> and we're going to escort this man out of the room. And we're going to call the authorities. He is not going to take the inheritance that is rightfully ours. And so when I'm sharing with you this morning, we want to get that idea of Yaras. That he's called us as heirs to take an inheritance. Blessed are the meek. That's a, that is us. For they shall inherit, possess, yaras, the earth. And then whatever the enemy has set up that will dispossess it, will drive it out. Not talking people, I'm talking the enemy schemes. And that we will conquer and will step in to possess and see God's kingdom blessing come. See, God is a God not only of salvation for us and redemption, but he's a God of transformation. Just as he has transformed me from the inside out. What he has released in me. It's like as his sons and daughters, when we get that freedom, he wants it to be released within the region that we live in. Every sphere of influence, the land that we go, we take that kingdom with us to see his transformation and his kingdom made known. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And yes, when Jesus returns, we're going to see fullness. But the truth of the matter is we get to partner with him to be those agents of transformation to see his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. <laughs> there is this place in the nation of Guatemala by the name of Amalanga. And I'm going to share this testimony with you, and I'm going to go in and out of teaching as I'm doing this to, to even empower and, and to release strategy the best I can in this time this morning to see God begin to release an awakening and transformation here in this region. Amen? 
And I had heard about Alma Longa. I know those of you that heard me teach this weekend, and I can't stand still, so those of you that bothers you, oh, well, you'll just get over it. It's called, it's called teaching and aerobics at the same time. I don't think any part of my body ever sits still, Yuri, unless I'm totally asleep. I'm a traveling evangelist. <laughs> but I know those of you that heard me teach this week and heard me talk about Amalanga, but I want to share it for the full house this morning. I had taught about this location, I've written about it in my books. I've heard others teach about this location. And we were in, Becky, raise your hand, Becky, my friend Becky Albert. We went on a trip to Guatemala. I can't say what that purpose was. We're supposed to keep it quiet. <laughs> Sometimes secrets are hard. Anyway. And so I said, we're going to stay and we're going to go to Amalanga. And why did we want to do that? Because Almalonga, Guatemala is known as the city of transformation, the city of miracles, the city that has been totally transformed for the kingdom of God. And I've, I've always wanted to go, and I don't know why I waited. It's not that far away. I've traveled to 55 nations, right? I've been to Nepal, I mean, I've, several times. I mean, I've traveled all around, been on planes for 18 hours sometimes to get someplace. And in my mind, it was like, Amalanga was this really far-off place. It's really not that far. It's like, what were we waiting for? But God is a God of timing. And it's time for that breath, his breath of life, to be breathing on this again. And the faith of what he has done there, he's wanting to do everywhere. And so back in 1973, this village up in the mountainous region of Guatemala, and it was an inhabitants, about 18 to 20,000 number differ, you know, over the years, but that, that, that many inhabitants in that village. And they were steeped in idolatrous worship to an idol that they, and we say Maximon, in their Spanish way it'd be Machimon. And they, it was this mannequin. He looked like a mafia guy. They had a hat on him, and he had a cigarette in his mouth. And they were all steeped in drunkenness. They were all steeped in alcoholism. They were steeped in witchcraft. There was domestic violence. There was crime. They had every prison in this small village. There were four totally overflowing. They couldn't house all the prisoners. They were, there was hardly any money whatsoever ever for them to live off of and what they did live off of they would go and buy alcohol and go stand in front of this idol Machimon and they would pour out their liquor on the floor in front of him on him and then the priest of Machimon would put the liquor in his mouth and spit it on the people 3% Christian like 3 people I want to meet those praying people and there was a young man by the name of Mariano Riscace. 
and he was walking through this field one day. And this is what I love about Jesus. Those faithful praying people caused the Lord to move in such a beautiful way that he went out on a field to find a lost man in his 20s named Mariano Riscace, and Jesus himself called out to him. First time, Mariano! <laughs> Second time, Mariano! And he's like, what is this? And the third time, he called his name, and Mariano saw him, and he heard Jesus, and he fell to his knees, and he got radically saved in a field by himself, one-on-one -on -one with Jesus. God can go after those prodigals and find them in the deepest, darkest place and dungeon. And he can rescue them out. And so he has this encounter and he starts to read the word and he begins to pray. And the Lord spoke to him. He said, I have called you. I've selected you. And he said when he heard that, after he had been in prayer and reading the word for a period of time, and he fell to his knees, and, and he surrendered to what the Lord was saying. Lord, I don't know what that fully looks like, but he said, I've selected you to transform this city, this village. And the, and the presence of the Lord was so powerful, he dropped to his knees. And he said, I say yes, Lord. I say yes. I cease resistance. Show me how I surrender. I say yes. And he said, all of a sudden, the Bible came alive to him. Like, he would read the word. You know, you. how many of you read the book of Acts? I don't know about you, but I read the book of Acts. It's like, I don't want to read it. I won't be in it. I don't want to just read about it. I want to see it again. I want to see the signs and the wonders and the healings and the miracles. I want to see the world turned upside down for the kingdom of God. I want to see a harvest of souls. Woo! And so he, God began to, you know, speak to him about individuals and, and he began to slowly see people get saved and another one becomes a pastor as well and they begin to pray together, he and Mariano, because now they're pastors and trying to pastor the people that they've just gotten saved and they begin to do deliverance. All of these people, it wasn't just one idol in the village they went to of Machimon. Every home in that village had an altar to Machimon that they worshipped and made offerings to every day. And so they begin to share the gospel and people would get saved, but they realized that they had to cast out those demons. Like, you know, I had to be set free from depression. The Lord started calling me to the nations and I was terrified. I had fear in my life, <laughs> which is really funny now. And so, but I mean, terrified of planes, terrified of heights, terrified of the dark, fear of authority figures, fear of man, fear of failure. And the Lord said, how can I get you on a plane to the nations if you have to be drugged on Dramamine to even get on. On my honeymoon, my husband had to give me five Dramamine for a two-hour flight from Dallas, Texas to Mexico. I was so terrified to get on that plane. Lord, radically 
set me free. And so these, these people that they were getting saved, they had demonic spirits in their lives because of the worship of this idol and their alcoholism and their violence and their anger. And so they began to cast these spirits out of the people that were attached to this idolatrous worship. And one night he was walking through the town and the most notorious town drunk, everybody afraid of him, passed out on the streets. And, and he began to walk by and this man was passed out in a very aggressive and violent. And Mariana, they'd prayer walk the streets and pray for people to get saved and pray for people to deliver. They got right out in the midst of the action. And this demon manifested through this man and, and he said, and he looked at Mariano and he didn't say, this is my man. He said, this is my domain and you can't have it. And here's Mariano. He's thinking, okay, Paul and Silas and, you know, Philippi with the slave girl, they cast it out. So he turns and he casts that spirit out. And the man got radically delivered and saved and filled with the Holy Spirit and on fire for God. And then after that, all of these salvations begin to happen. And then one of the biggest power encounters happened with the priest of Machimon. And he went on a one-month drinking binge and doing all of his witchcraft occult practices to that idol. And he came one night about 11 p.m. and he was on his deathbed because of all that he had done that month. And he had seen the move of God. He'd seen the salvations. He'd seen that man on the street changed. He'd seen people healed. He'd seen people transformed. <laughs> And he thought, I don't want to die. So on his own, on his deathbed, he said, Jesus, if you are real, heal me and I will give you my life. And the whole family was gathered. And here he is on his deathbed. And they walked out of the room and he cried out to Jesus. And he was instantly healed. He instantly got saved. He came out of that room. His family totally shocked. They all got saved. They all got healed. And they say from that point on, within 24 hours, Amalonga just began to change. They all went into the idle place and grabbed Machimon and threw him out in the dumpster. And they went to every home who had an idol. Every one of them did. And every altar in that home they took of Machimon and they brought it into the city center and they lit it on fire. Just like what they did in Acts 19 where they brought all their witchcraft, paraphernalia, and they burned it. And the Bible says, you know, according to what they know, that would be $7 million worth of, of witchcraft paraphernalia that got burned. And revival began to break out across the city in Ephesus after that. And this is what happened in Amalanga, Guatemala. And they begin to say, Lord, if you can save people, give us the city. If you can transform people, give us the city. And after burning of those idols, they then begin to see signs and wonders and 
healings and miracles. People that were on their deathbed that should have been dying. All of a sudden, they would walk in. Some of them had already passed away, and they would walk in. This is like the last few remnants of people hadn't gotten saved yet, right? And they'd walk in and lay hands on the person that had already been passed away for 15 minutes, just like what we read that Peter and Paul, what they would do in Jesus, and they'd go in and they would see the dead raised to life, and, and these people were raised to life, and their families instantly got saved. It's like reading the book of Acts. There's no longer any crime. Every prisoner in jail got saved, got delivered, filled with the Holy Spirit. Every prison shut down. The last one shut down in 1988. No crime in Amalanga, Guatemala since 1988. So over the years, it started in 73 to 74, and it, then it goes to 88, and all these things have happened, and the prisons shut down, and all the bars and the saloons shut down and become houses of worship and prayer rooms. Uh, every business is dedicated and named after the Lord. There's a banner when you drive in, Jesus is Lord of Amalanga. <laughs> Not only that, but literally on the cars and on the trucks, there's scriptures and everything's dedicated to the Holy Spirit and to Jesus and named after the Word of God. Beulah, Hepzibah, Gloria a Dios, Hallelujah shop. And the land began to be set free. They could barely produce one harvest a year, just enough to buy their liquor before. Now, after the people have been set free and the idolatry got kicked out and the witchcraft got the paraphernalia and idols got burned and people got saved and healed and delivered, the land got set free. They produce seven harvest a year. When we were there, at least, on the four hours we were there, at least 20 trucks came in to the harvest fields. And not only are they producing these seven harvests, but like if you haven't seen it, you can watch it. They're transformation DVDs by George Otis. He, he did this and put it on the map, and a bunch of Christians went to go because they wanted to go to see heaven on earth. They wanted to go where the city's 98% Christian. I feel sorry for the other two, probably ones that are just born, you know, that they just got to have a chance to say, Jesus, come into my heart. Ninety-eight. And, and their crops, the carrots are the size of our arms and their, their zucchinis and their cucumbers. And they became known as America's vegetable patch. And people are like, how are they producing this? And they go over and, and they still do everything by hand, like the irrigation, throwing the water up. And how are you doing this? And they, they, they begin to say, well, the Lord set our land free because we got set free and we all got saved. And we threw out everything that was displeasing to the Lord 
out of our city and we're 98% Christian and as we're being blessed, our land and our inheritance, blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. We yarrust what God had given us. Seven harvest. When the rest of Amala or Guatemala can't even produce a field, their harvest never stops year round. So we went, Yuri, and 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 we we were walking through, and I don't know how to explain it. It's like you're walking through this this village, and you just it's clean, and here everybody's happy, and there's joy and being. Now, we stuck out like a sore thumb, you know, because all the women still wear their beautiful traditional dresses from thousands of year, we, years ago. We had a baseball cap on and T-shirts, a little fanny packs, or tennis shoes, you know. But they would drive by Bienvenidos, and you're just kind of like, and it was so busy. It was bustling. And I, I asked our guide who was a pastor, what is this? And he said, this is the blessing of God. This is a prosperous town. Business is good. So we got our feet on the soil. I, I've never quite experienced anything. You, any, like we would step off the pavement onto that land that is producing the way God originally intended the land to be. And there was joy, and there was glory, and there was presence, and there was life. And so you'd step onto that land, and you'd just start giggling and laughing and crying. And, oh, this is so awesome. God, you're so good. And we did a little bit of a video, and we went back and watched it. It's like we were a little obnoxious with our giddiness and our joy. You just didn't realize that something happened when you stood on it. Because it's like, this is the way the land and the earth is supposed to feel. undefiled, producing in beauty, whole, clean land. Romans 8. I I said I was going to teach, telling stories. Romans 8. Ooh. 18, and I'm reading from the Passion Translation. Listen to this scriptural promise. I am convinced that any suffering we endure is less than nothing compared to the magnitude of glory that is about to be unveiled within us. The entire universe is standing on tiptoe, yearning to see the unveiling of God's glorious sons and daughters. For against its will, the universe itself has had to endure the empty futility resulting from the consequences of human sin. But now, 
That's a now word. Every time we read this word in the scripture, it means now. It doesn't mean a year down the road. It doesn't mean five years down the road. It's a now word, meaning active, alive at this very moment that we're reading it. But now, with eager expectation, all creation longs for freedom from its slavery to decay and to experience with us the wonderful freedom coming to God's children. To this day, we are aware of the universal agony and groaning of creation as if it were in the contractions of labor for childbirth. And it's not just creation. We have already experienced the first fruits of the Spirit, also inwardly grown as we passionately long to experience our full status as God's sons and daughters, including our physical and spiritual being transformed. So we're the first fruits. So what happens in us? Is everybody doing okay? What happens in us is when he sets us free and we're on fire, then he wants us to take what he has done in us into our city, into our region, into the land, to see the blessing of that land come with fruitfulness and a harvest of souls where everything that has set itself up against God and his kingdom Everything is kicked out, and it becomes heaven on earth. Forty-seven years this city has been in transformation, still going. And all the churches, they fast and they pray. This is what Mariano says. you got to fast and you've got to pray. And even though they've got this, they haven't stopped fasting and praying. And every church takes their time. So when you're walking around on the right side, up on the hill, you can hear the windows of a church open. And worship music is going down over the valley. And then all of a sudden, an hour later, it shifts to another church in another region. And they're worshiping and they're praising. And the worship goes goes out over the valley. Why not here? Why not now? Do it here. Do it now. When you talk to the leaders there, Nicholas was out in the field and he was doing his water thing and we were watching him in that irrigation and we wanted to go and and talk to him, and he's, bienvenidos, and we go over, we're like, how did you do this, guys? Wouldn't you want to live in a place like that? Joy, freedom, deliverance, salvation, healing, wholeness, loving, personal relationship with the Lord. Not one of legalism, but so free with the Holy Spirit and in that relationship with the Lord that you're like, Lord, we just want more, Lord. We don't want to shrink back from what you've given us. We want to maintain the blessing and establish this and cause it to spread across the world. And when we talk to Nicholas, 
He looked at us. He said, nothing's impossible with God. Never stop believing what he did here. He wants to do everywhere. You know the beauty of this? Everybody's an evangelist. It's not just Yuri and Amanda. Everybody in their business, everybody in their stores, everybody in their homes, everybody is used of the Lord everywhere they are in that atmosphere. And they've taught it. It's their culture. And Mariano says in this prayer portion that they had to be willing to have power encounters. They had to be willing to deal with that idolatry. They, they had to be willing to engage in what I'm going to call prophetic intercession and warfare prayer. Ephesians 6, 12 says, our battle is not against flesh and blood, right? But against principalities and rulers of heavenly, of heavenly hosts in high places. I'm quoting three different versions. I didn't turn to it. I've got three different versions memorized, put together. And so they understood that in this place of prayer and fasting that they had to pray to see Machimon kicked out of the city. They, they had to pray that everything that was set itself up in an idolatrous way, in an evil way, as they saw people set free, God wanted to set the region, the city, free from that as well. So they were willing to have those power encounters. They were willing to see people set free. I'm telling you, how many of you have been set free from oppression before in your life? Yes? Woo, I am so glad when I've gotten that freedom. My husband was thrilled when I got rid of anger. <laughs> okay. And so they, the first thing he says, you must be obedient to the Holy Spirit and, and, and to keep this. And then he says, and we must go into prayer and fasting and where there needs to be people set free. We get them set free. I've ministered in many, I'm preaching to the choir this morning, but many nations and I've been with many people that are functioning and moving towards transformation and they get people saved. They get them saved. They get them off the streets. They get them saved. After they get them saved, they then bring them to a weekend retreat. And they're like, we're going to identify any demonic stronghold in your life and you're going to get set free. So in the first eight weeks of their salvation, they're getting set free of everything in their lives. And then they're baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then they begin to disciple them and they begin to equip them and who God has called them to be. And so this is what Mariano and they do. They get them saved and they get them delivered and they get them filled with the Spirit and they train and they equip them. This, like you're doing in your school, this is your identity. This is who God's called you to be. This is how God wants to use you. And they find out who they are and, and, and they maneuver in this partnership. And as that begins to happen, families radically are getting restored because one person gets saved and they see the transformation. And everybody else in the family is like, oh, I want what you have. Because it's so contagious. 
and so pure. I pray that every day. Holy Spirit, I want people to see your love in my eyes and feel your presence. I want them to to see you and, and say, oh, who is it that you worship? Who is it that you pray for? Who is it that's alive in your life? I want to have that. I ministered at an event with Steve Hill. How many of you know Pensacola Revival? In 2007, and I was really nervous. I was a young'un. And so I'm speaking at this event, and he comes walking back to the speaker's room. And I'm kind of off being a little quiet by myself because, you know, I mean, I was young. I was in my early 40s. And so, I'm, and so he, comes, he comes walking over to me immediately. And he goes, hey, sis, what's your name? And I said, Becca Greenwood. And he goes, what do you do? Tell me about yourself. And I told him, he goes, praise God. We need more of you. We need more prophets. We need more prophetic warriors. We need more intercessors. We need more women in ministry who will walk in boldness and pray for cities for transformation. And he said, I've heard Cindy Jacobs talk about you too. She loves you. I said, yeah, we're really good friends. And so he's trying to make me feel comfortable with him, and, and which I was glad. But then it was like I kept staring at his eyes. And his eyes were crystal blue. And it's not like good protocol or manners to lock eyes with another man that's not your husband and just stare. And so I'm trying not to do that. I'm looking at him and my eyes are going down and I'm looking at him and my <laughs> And finally he delivered me from that awkward moment. And tears streaming down his face. And he said, it's my eyes, right? I said, yes. Like he relieved me. And he began, those tears streaming down his face. He said, I don't know what God's done with my eyes, but I've won as many people walking down the street and them seeing Jesus in my eyes as I have from the platform where hundreds and thousands have gotten saved. He has the same Holy Spirit I have. You have the same Holy Spirit he has. This isn't just for a Steve Hill or a Becca Greenwood or a Yuri. This is a promise for every believer in Inamalanga. That's what they got. So they hear Holy Spirit and they pray and they fast and they are willing to confront things in the spiritual realm where it needs to be confronted and people get they move in signs and wonders and healings and miracles and so then when they do that people are like I gotta know that Jesus and whole families get saved that night and families get restored and not only that but then they disciple them they equip them and not even that but then they start equipping the children there is no junior Holy Spirit is so they begin to equip the young in this where it becomes a natural outflow in what these children are doing. I have three awesome daughters. My oldest is 31 today. <laughs> when did I get that old? Anyway, 
And twin daughters who are 27. And my twin daughter, one of my twin daughters, Rebecca, just had two twin daughters that are three and a half months old. But there is no junior Holy Spirit. And what happens when you begin to model this freely in front of your children and that next generation, and you live for Jesus, and it's just your lifestyle. It's not what we do on Sunday. It's our life. And we live it out. And you teach them the power of prayer and the power of who they are and the kingdom of God and the power of signs and wonders and healings and miracles and the, the, how to rise up and walk in who they are in the kingdom of God. So they intentionally began to, to do this. And I'm telling you, Becky knows my children and, and my oldest daughter is me on steroids, meaning with her personality and her outgoingness and her discernment realm and her intercessory. And there are times when I'm ministering around the world and I feel my cell phone vibrate and I pick it up and I look at it and it says mama I'm praying for you I feel you get your faith level up mama get it up you can do this what God's asking you to do mama you can do this There was one time I was about to have to go to a nation and I wasn't feeling well and Katie, our redhead, I was in the kitchen and, and, and Greg, my husband was praying for me and Katie was up in her room and she heard us. She came out of her room. She came down the stairs. She walked right over to me and lay hands on me and said, Jesus, my mom has business to do in the nations. You need to heal her right now. And I was healed. There's no junior Holy Spirit. So when the adults started getting freedom and getting equipped, whoo, all the children were brought into that move. And they were equipped in who they were in the kingdom. And it's just a natural outflow. It doesn't even have to be. Sometimes you get around people it's a little flaky and weird, and you're like, huh, that's a religious spirit. But what I'm saying is it would just becomes a natural outflow of who we are. And so they began to equip the children and they had to, all these churches had to, pastors were raised up and equipped to do the equipping and to do the discipling and, and to raise people up. And so now if the enemy tries to come in and bring disunity, they all gather together in a high place. They go up to the high place and they begin to pray and they begin to say, Lord, what you've given us is precious and we're not going to let the enemy come. We're not going to let the enemy come and rob our inheritance. We've yarrost you. We've yarrost what you're giving us and we're not going to allow the enemy to come back in. So we are going to keep our focus on you. We're going to keep our focus on the harvest. We're going to keep our focus on the worship and we we are going to glorify you and they come together on the focus of the transformation of what God has done and they drop to their knees and they pray together and they stand up and worship over Amalonga. Instead of letting that wedge get in there, you know, that pastor, you really don't want to run with him anymore. What does that pastor think he's doing? You know, he, he believes in prophets. I don't know if I believe in that. Well, to be honest, the whole city believes in that because the whole city's home. 
But I'm just saying, any of those little nitpicky, you see what I'm saying? And they focus on that. And they hear heaven on how to keep moving forward. And every day, they wake up and say, Jesus, thank you for what you have given us. Thank you for what you have done. 47 years. There's a gentleman by the name of George Otis Jr. Does a lot of research, friends with him. There are 1,500 cities in the nations of the world that are in a beginning move of transformation. Why not here? Why not now? You can feel the hovering of Holy Spirit in this region. You can feel the blessing in the land. You can feel what God has already done with peace and purity in the region and what he wants to do even further. How many of you would love to be a part of a move like that? Heaven on earth, revival, awakening. The angelic and activity, just like, you know, we were talking this morning. You're just, you guys are already there and that stuff, but heaven on earth, so aware, so aware. I'm not preaching at you when I say this. I'm preaching with you in this. Every time I say this, it's like, Lord, I don't want to do what we've settled for in the church. I want to read the book of Acts. And I want to see those kinds of transformations that swept Ephesus, that have swept Omelonga. I want to get beyond the limitations or the strongholds in my life and where, Lord, we overcome those strongholds so then we can step in and what you set us free from will then begin to see not only other people, but we'll begin to see cities and regions and lands set free as well. And, you know, I'll just share this and then we're going we're gonna to pray. You know, that's Amalanga. And, and, but we have been involved in movements like this. We've seen a move of God in Philadelphia, Mississippi, among the Choctaw Native American people, and God moving miraculously. We've seen in Spain, in a region of Calispata, Spain, same thing, steeped in idolatry and children dedicated to this idol in a high place. They crawl on their hands and knees to get to the top of a 4,000 foot hill and they crawl on their hands and knees and they get inside that cave and they believe if they bled in front of that idol, it would bring them salvation. And they would dedicate their children to that idol by tying a rope around a little wax figurine when a child was born. Put the child's name on it and hang it up next to that idol. And young kids were killing themselves by hanging at the age of 18. 
first time I preached there, Yuri, people would not even come up front to get saved because they were so afraid of being disowned. They couldn't come up front to say, I want Jesus, because they'd get disowned. And, and so we always had to do it privately. And so, oh, here's a cute earring. Somebody lost an earring this morning. Anyway, it's not me. And we went up in 2004, and we prayed with leaders from that era, and we broke the spirit of death and suicide. 2004. Not one death of an 18-year-old child by hanging and suicide since 2004. I came back three years later. They kept praying, came back three years later. We went back up to the high place. I said, we got to show you something. This idol, it was in a cave in the mountain. And the mountain, the first time we went, was real healthy. And it was like coming over the mouth of the cave. Well, the mountain started crumbling and splitting. And, and so they had to put fences up to try to keep it in place so it wouldn't cave in on that idol. And so then we went up and we prayed and we said, we we break all of the witchcraft and we break because they would take money from the poor and keep them in poverty to fund this thing that was costing millions of dollars and we broke that, uh, that religious spirit and that idolatry and that witchcraft and poverty and then the young people that had all gotten saved <laughs> would go up every Friday night and they'd stand outside with their guitars and they'd just worship Jesus. And they'd slowly start winning people to the Lord. And God began to break out in the gypsy culture. And they began to get saved. And, and, and then they decided that they needed the, Then the dam, sorry, that ran by the mountain, it broke. And for the first time in history of a thousand years, the river came up over the mountain and came in and flooded the cave and the idol. And so then, they, then the, the foundation went bankrupt. Uh, who, because of all the repairs they had to do, so they had no money for the idol worship anymore. Now the idol carriers, when I'm preaching the next time, are on the back row to hear me preach and get saved and spirit-filled, and they've gotten baptized in the river that flooded the cave. Do it again! And, and you know, and, and, and then this gets really good. They decided we're going to reinitiate the power. Some of the people still trying to worship it. We're going to reinitiate the power of this idol. <laughs> and so they did a special thing. They bring that make this special wreath, and they are bringing it through the town in an ox-drawn cart. Oh, I should have brought pictures. You should see the pictures. And and so and and beforehand, when they would worship Jesus too loud in the city, and the police would show up and try to arrest me and the pastor because our worship music was too loud. Now they go to the mayor and said, hey, can we have a worship outside in the city plaza on the same day they're going to rededicate the idol? He said, absolutely. So it goes from people being terrified to praise Jesus to 3,000 gathered in the city plaza, worshiping like we did this morning and praising and shouting to Jesus. And as soon as the ox with that reef hit the road of the city limits that would take it up to to that idol to try to reinitiate power. Everybody take a deep breath. It's really okay. The ox dropped dead. No wreath and no rededication. Where pastors wouldn't even come together in the region. 
300 gather now on a regular basis to pray for the harvest. They worship together. They, they partner together. And then the Lord told them, buy land. And they got the land and they prayer walked the land and they planted peach and nectarine orchards in the orchard fields. And within three years, their harvest, their trees have grown double the size. And the first three is now seven years. We've been there. Now they've got olives that double the size of the trees that have been planted for 25 years. And releasing double the harvest. And now every time a product is bought, it goes to feed the starving children in other nations and to help break systemic poverty. Why not here? Why not now? This is what we're in. This is the new era. We want more of His presence. I don't, I, and, I, and I'm not being critical. But I want to come to church on Sunday, and I want to get filled. But I, that's, not, that's not what we are supposed to just do in our Christian faith. It's the igniting point, and the training point, and the equipping point, and the strategizing point to say, okay, God, you've done it in us. Give us the city. Give us the region. Give us the souls. I could give you story after story. And I'm not even going to say, why not here? And why not now? I'm going to say, he wants to do it here. And he wants to do it now. He wants us to be on fire for him. Yeah, there's darkness. Sure. Isaiah 60, arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Darkness covers the earth and deep darkness the people, but the glory of the Lord will rise upon you and it shall be seen on you. So no matter what darkness the enemy is trying to unleash, the inheritance, our Yarast, rightful birthright kingdom of God inheritance is say yes to him, let him transform us, be filled with his fire and his presence and rise up in that place of his glory in the midst of what darkness is trying to do and we will shine brighter and more on fire than the dark world and we will not accept what the voices of the world and Satan says he's going to do. Woo! That's our kingdom inheritance. Reese Howell's a man of prayer. He says, man's extremity is God's opportunity. I think we're in the most opportune time in the history of the church, in the history of the world.